Hello. How are you guys doing this morning? Good. Uh, I want to introduce my family first. Uh, my wife, Laura, you can stand up for a second. Uh, my son, Alistair, he's 12. He looks like he's 14. Uh, and my daughter, Amelia, she's 10. Um, and yes, yeah, so we're in Albania. Does anybody know where that is? See, that? <laughs> my family raises their, their hand. Okay, so uh, if you know where Greece is, it's just north of Greece. It's across the Adriatic from Italy. Um, it's about a quarter of the size of Arkansas. It has the same population as Arkansas. Uh, we live an hour away from mountains and an hour away from beaches, and now you feel really sorry for me. <laughs> yeah? <laughs> Beautiful, huh? God did a great job with Albania. Um, oh, I don't want to miss this. Thank you. He talked about the impact fund. Thank you so much for that. And I'm going to tell you in a moment uh, what that's actually going towards. Okay. Um, I do want to tell you a few things about Albania so you know something about it. Okay. Um, the, the, did you know Albania is in the Bible? You've never seen the word Albania in the Bible. Uh, yeah, give me that, give me that next slide. Um, so in Romans 15, 18 through 19, for I will not venture to speak of anything except for what has, uh, Christ has accomplished through me, Paul, to bring to the Gentiles the obedient, uh, to obedience by word and deed, by power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God. Amen to that. That from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum. I bet you don't know what Illyricum is. I have fulfilled the ministry of gospel of Christ. Well, Illyricum is the ancient Illyrian tribes, a.k.a. Albania. So uh, the gospel went to Albania. The church was established in Albania. And the big, bad Ottoman Turks rolled through and for 400 years suppressed Albanians. Uh, many of them were converted to Islam. Uh, except for people up in the mountains uh, still have their Orthodox Christian. Uh, but it's kind of a dead building, like an old tomb that you're walking into and not a living space where living stones are praising God. Um, so this is Albania. Uh, there was a brief evangelical movement into Albania at the end of the 1800s. And something was starting. And then Anver Hoxha brought communism to Albania for 50 years, and it was one of the most uh, atheist states. It was a formerly atheist state in the whole world at the time, and they put Christians, Muslims, Orthodox, Catholic, anybody who professed faith into prison, into labor camps, or they executed them. And then in 1991, Albania opened up for the gospel. So 30 years we have going here. Um, the church is growing. Uh, there's about 350 churches. Now, an average size of a church is about 30 people. So not, not quite this big. But uh, it's about 0.5% of the population of Albania is evangelical now. Okay, so it's, it's kind of moving forward. And we're hoping that that turns... That, that there's a revival. Please pray for a revival in Albania. Pray for people to be missional. Albanians are, um, they are really good at immigrating. They're really bold as 
individuals, they'll say anything. They're very bold evangelically. They'll, They'll share the gospel. They're really good at learning languages, and we want them to go to countries around us. So pray, that, pray, pray for that. Um, I want to tell you what our ministry looks like. Um, so basically, uh, I came to Albania six years ago with my family. Uh, you know, the first year and a half of being in a foreign country is a little bit challenging sometimes, <laughs> to be honest. But uh, by the grace of God, we got hooked up with um, Alban and Albina Nadelko, uh, an Albanian family. He felt called into church planting. He was already a believer. And uh, we partnered up with them, and we planted a church. We met in a, uh, a downstairs club for free uh, for, for three months, and the guy who was, like, nominally Catholic said something like, you guys do mass, right? Well, why don't you use my club <laughs> for, like, three months? But then we felt like we wanted to do a legitimate service for the community uh, and, and, and create relationships with the community. So we started a language school. Um, I'm certified in English. I taught in Prairie Grove, Arkansas as a high school teacher for 12 years um, and ESL as well. And so uh, we started an English language center, which grew into an English, German, and math center um, that we have about 140 students right now. Uh, the church, uh, from that first year, we had about 10 people that grew in a house and a home. And that's grown to about 42 members. Um, we had about 16 people baptized within the last year and a half. Um, yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? And, uh, and we just continually, we're, we're, we're sharing the gospel. We're discipling people like not, not just like willy-nilly, like we're like systematically throughout the year trying to do this continually um, with the kids, with the parents. We have kids ministry, teen ministry, women's ministry, home visits. Um, but let me tell you uh, what, what we're going into right now, this Jubilee project and what uh, you guys ended up giving towards. Um, we, we actually rent the second and the third floor of this building and a funeral home has the first floor. Okay, Paraisa, which means paradise, and we're Barimi Ietas, spring of life. Isn't that funny? That's kind of weird. Okay. Uh, we have a good relationship with them, but we want them out of there. We want the whole building. We're, we're going to give them notice, <laughs> but we want to buy this building. Um, we started noticing that people had all kinds of needs in their family, brokenness, emotional needs, economic needs. Uh, there's a lot of food insecurity uh, Albania is the poorest uh, European country, um, and a lot of people struggle. And so we started food distribution uh, and, and giving out food to people. Hey, kids, that's a good thing. If people need food, you give them, you give them food, right? Yeah? But sometimes it gets a little sticky, I'm going to tell you. You know how sometimes when your, uh, your friends, you know, they have something, maybe more of something than you have, and you're like, ooh. I want, I want some of that, you know. Well, this can even happen in a food distribution. Things get a little bit sticky and people are like, oh, well, she got more than me. You know, it gets a little complicated, right? And we actually uh, started thinking about, hey, how can we actually bring kingdom flourishing in even a different way, even a better way than this? And so we started what we call a Jubilee project. Uh, that's not mine. That's N.T. Wright's. And basically, it's about bringing kingdom flourishing in every way, starting with the transformation of the gospel, 
but then seeking uh, like whole families and flourishing businesses. And like sometimes people use microfinance, sometimes people, what we're going to do is we're going to have a language center that grows and teaches other subjects, a tiny little library, a bakery downstairs that employs people and we train them in kingdom values and they get to support their family. Sometimes like a single mother with a few kids can, can support her family. Um, we want to have a community garden where um, these village women will come um, and, and live in the city inside a communist style apartment building that's like one bedroom for a family of four and they don't have any place to dig. They have the skill of being able to grow things in the soil, but they need a place to dig, right? And so um, this is what we desire to do. We also desire in this Jubilee project to train uh, future church planters and missionaries, um, have them intern with us, get hands-on experience, and send them out from where we are. So that's, that's where we're going. We want it all to be, we, we want it to grow from our location, like spread out into the neighborhood and just fill the area. Kingdom come, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Um, I, uh, I was asked if I could tell a quick story, like a very specific story of somebody transformed. Uh, there's a woman, um, go ahead, go to the next, uh, actually go to the next one. Uh, was there one with the QR code? Yeah. If you are interested in checking out our ministry more, seeing pictures and stuff, uh, that's our, our website. My wife put that together. Um, and she is incredible. She's good at everything. And I'm, I married up. I did. Okay. Um, but now I want to tell you about this woman, Tina. Um, so basically, uh, she grew up in a village. She was put in an arranged marriage. Kids, do you know what an arranged marriage is? Somebody tells you who you're going to marry. <laughs> you don't get to choose, right? This happens a lot of places in the world. But unfortunately, it didn't work out too well for her. Like, it wasn't that great. Um, she lived in the city. Um, but she grew up in the village and wasn't used to that, that city life. Um, she ended up having twin daughters and got very sick. She had a stroke um, that led, and she also developed lupus. So just uh, <laughs> trials raining down. And uh, she ended up developing some mental problems and became a person who was constantly complaining, constantly blaming, constantly criticizing, very unclear when you spoke to her. And it's not just because I didn't know Albanian very well. I asked Albon, my co-pastor, and he said, I don't really understand what she's saying half the time either. <laughs> okay. Um, so uh, she was separated from her husband. Uh, they were out on the streets occasionally, but often bouncing between apartments, food insecure. That means that they, they didn't have enough food to eat sometimes. And uh, her, her daughters educationally were kind of struggling. Um, anyway, uh, here's how the ministry worked and here's how the Holy Spirit worked in her life. What happened is um, her daughters came and started taking German from uh, a, a young German girl who's on our team. And we gave that to them for free uh, because they couldn't afford it. Um, and so we invited them into our children's ministry 
And they started enjoying hearing stories about Jesus, praying and worshiping together and playing games too, having a good time. Then we started inviting Tina into our regular Sunday worship. Um, we helped her with a few needs, just some food relief and um, an electric bill at one point. And then um, we invited her into a, an eight-week gospel study. And she heard the gospel robustly shared with her and her daughters. And then she said, I want to follow this Jesus. And she submitted her life to Christ. And then uh, she got baptized. And her daughters got baptized. And then she started coming to our discipleship meetings for about a year. Um, she started serving in our church, serving coffee, not self-serve, like serving coffee to every single person in the church after the meeting with her daughters and then cleaning up afterwards. Um, she started praying in our meetings, praying at home, praying all the time. She started reading the Bible at home to her daughters, reading it aloud during our meetings, during worship times, loves reading the Bible. And she became one of the biggest encouragers in our church. One of the people that would see good things in people and encourage them. And she became one of these people that even if hard things were happening, she acknowledged that God was faithful and that he was good and that he was going to take care of her. And she became one of the most thankful people in our church that I know. And then her husband, when he got in a car accident and broke his leg and was in the hospital, she went and with forgiveness in her heart, she took care of him. And she brought him back to their apartment and took care of him, uh, despite all of the messy stuff that had happened before. And uh, their relationship is still in the works. But we're praying for that, and, and God is transforming her life. Um, so what I want to tell you is this. Uh, this is kind of, that's a little bit about Albania and us and our ministry, what we're doing. But I want to talk to you guys now. Um, see, we're, exciting, we're excited about seeing the kingdom come, where we are. Um, but it is God's will for you in your life. And his great desire for you to be a kingdom-first family, partnering with the Holy Spirit to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. Matthew 6.33. Hey, can anybody quote it for me? Anybody? Oh, you got, it's right behind me. I, I do this with my church. I, I'm like super interactive, and so I want people to try to quote things to me if they can, but uh, yeah, it, it doesn't help if it's behind me. I mean, it does help. It helps you guys. Yeah, okay. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. What I want to tell you is that you will not regret seeking the kingdom first. It's worth giving up every second-rate pursuit and pleasure to make the kingdom first in your life. Now, what you will regret is having a seek all these other things first attitude and the kingdom comes next. Because if you seek the kingdom of God first, your marriage will flourish. Your classroom and your education will flourish, kids. Your friendships will flourish. If you seek the kingdom first, 
Basketball and football will flourish. You will become better. You will, you will reflect Christ better in all these ways if you seek the kingdom first. And, and I don't want to get ahead of myself. So I'm going to... Now, being a kingdom first family requires that you know and do some things. And so there's three things I want to talk about in being a kingdom first family. The first, you have to know the king and the kingdom. So, hey, kids, who's the king? Jesus. Oh, come on. Say it louder. Jesus. Yeah. And he has a kingdom. And um, I don't know. Do you know when he initiated the kingdom? When did he start the kingdom? Do you know when he started it? I mean, it's been around always, but do you know when he started it on earth? When he came to the earth and he said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's here. It's now. It's in front of you. Repent and believe the gospel. Believe the good news. It's come. It's here. And it's been growing ever since. And there's a time when it will grow and fill the earth. Um, but you need to know the king and the kingdom. And now I want to talk to you dads and moms, okay? Um, Deuteronomy 11, 18 through 19. Uh, Moses is speaking on behalf of God. And God says, You shall therefore lay up these words of mine, my words, in your heart and in your soul. So not just on your lips, but in your heart and in your soul. And you shall bind them, connect them, tie them, as a sign on your hand. Okay, on your, on your hand? Really? You wanna, I want to tie it on my hand? The Jews, they got really like, I don't know, literal about this. And they would like tie like scriptures on their hands. And, uh, and, and a sign on your hand. And they shall be as frontlets before your eyes. And they have these little boxes of scripture that they would put in front of their foreheads. And they got really literal. But no, this is what you see. And what you do with your hands, it, it, it lines up with the word of God. You know the word of God. You know the kingdom. You know the king. You know his desire. You know what he wants. And you just keep it before you continually. And you obey it. You teach them to your children. Parents, be intentional. Teach them to your children. Taking them with you when you are sitting in your house, in the living room. I'm adding here. <laughs> When you're sitting at the dinner table, when you're sitting on the back porch, when you're sitting, oh, and when you're walking on the way or driving in your vehicle on the way to basketball practice, have conversations about these things. And when you lie down before you go to bed, didn't you guys pray before you go to bed? You read the Bible before you go to bed? I love the honesty. I love the honesty. But hey, before you go to bed and when you get up in the morning, when you rise up, keep these things before you. Okay, fathers and mothers, you have a responsibility to be intentional in the spiritual training of your children. Teach your kids about Jesus. Are you doing it? Teach them what he taught. If you need to know more about what he taught, you find out more about what he taught because you need to abide in Christ and then teach it to your children and draw them into that intimate place with Christ. Teach your kids to abide in Jesus and his word and his love like it says in John 15, while you sit and while you eat, before you go to sleep, while you're on the way 
to practice or school in the morning when you're eating breakfast, late at night when you're eating supper. Let these things be before you. Um, before you can be a family on mission, you have to delight in the king and his kingdom. Okay? So the second thing that you need to know uh, to be a kingdom first family, you have to know how God has called you and your family and your kids and how he's equipped each one of you. Okay, so now I'm going to like almost take like what we, how we talk about the church sometimes and I'm going to relate this to your family because your family is this little unit that needs to act like, I mean, you're part of the church, but you're, you're also, you've got different giftings and you've got a calling as a family, okay? So on a fundamental level, you have to understand your identity in Christ. Each of you is a child of God. You're a citizen of heaven before you're an American citizen. You're a citizen of heaven, a, a sojourner, a passer through, and you are ambassador of Christ. Kids, what does an ambassador mean? Can, can any kid tell me? Ambassador, yeah? He represents that country. You represent Christ and you represent the kingdom of heaven before others. So that is not only parents, that is kids, it's you. That is your job. You have authority as a kingdom representative. Jesus said, I, all authority has been given to you. I give it to you, so go and make disciples. You also have a helper. Sometimes you feel weak. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. You have a helper. You know who he is? The Holy Spirit. It was given you. Uh, you bring, please understand this. When I walk into my classroom, I bring the presence of the kingdom and the Holy Spirit comes with me. You bring the kingdom authority into Walmart. When you walk into Walmart, the atmosphere changes. It may not feel like it to you, but it does. You are bringing the kingdom with you where you go. And you have to have a vision for this. You need to remind each other of these things. Kids, remind your parents of these things when they forget, because sometimes they'll forget. On a personal level, it is so essential that you know each other well as a family. Uh, do you feel like you guys know each other well as a family? I mean, do you know what everybody's good at? Do you know people's strengths and weaknesses? Okay, that's good. Now, I'm going to tell you this. Listen, parents, I want you to be intentional. Discover those things. Discover them. Celebrate them. The things that God has planted in your children. Husbands in your spouse, in your wife. Wives in your husbands. Celebrate them. Cultivate them. Give opportunities to cultivate those giftings. Make sure that they're growing. And then sanctify them. That means set them apart as holy to the Lord. And I'm going to give you an example of this. Um, Albon has four kids. Uh, his daughter, Esther, and his son, Polly. they're both great at the piano. And they, they can sing really well, too. And he has discovered these giftings. He put them in a musical school. He encourages those things. He celebrates them. When they've been in a concert or they've played something, he just delights in them. 
And he set it apart for the Lord. He said, oh, why don't you come in and help with our kids meeting or help with worship on Sunday? Or like, can we set it apart? Can we make that thing a thing that glorifies God? And then um, I was at an Indian fellowship uh, up in Bentonville here. It was awesome. And I loved how the kids, the kids um, were part of the service in this way. Uh, one kid came up and did the public reading of scripture before the sermon. That was awesome. And then another kid, he led the, the he took prayer requests and led a prayer time. He's like 14 years old. I'm like, dude, that's great. That's beautiful. I love it. Um, I'm going to just tell you, beware of busyness. Busyness will keep you from knowing each other. Busyness will keep you from, from, from cultivating these things, celebrating these things, and using these things for the Lord. Entertainment will too. Entertainment will isolate you from each other. A little, we see, we have a Friday night, family night, we watch a movie together and have a meal together. That's great. That's love, I love that. But so much entertainment that it isolates you from each other and you begin not to know each other very well. Watch out for that. And watch out for, for temptation and sin that will end up causing shame and isolating you from one another as well. But I'll tell you, what we do to know each other, we do a lot of things together. Hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this one first because I know the kids like this. We play together. Our family, we play together all the time. Kids, do you play with your parents? Or do you just play with each other? Parents, play with your kids. I don't care how old they are. Play with your kids. Play with your kids. Work with your kids. Make your kids work. Me <laughs> Sorry, kids. Make your kids work. But work with them. Serve with them. Call them into service. Read the Bible together. Eat meals together. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Don't eat them separately. Don't play the video game and, 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 and eat dinner at the same time. Don't do that. Stop it. Yeah? Okay. Sabbath together. And what I mean by this is you need a weekly cup-filling rest full-time that stirs up your affections for Jesus. Practice that. Do it together. Worship together. Marvel at God's creation together. Oh, look at this flower. Oh, look at that sunset. Look at what God's done. Marvel together at what God has made. Remember together. Remember the good things that God has done specifically for your family. Remember the hard times and how God faithfully came through. Call it to mind and remember together. Take moments to do this. Wait for the Lord together. Wait for the Lord. Wait for his voice expectantly, expecting him to talk to you. Teach your kids that he will, sometimes they'll hear before you do. Know your kids. I know that my daughter is hospitable and thoughtful, a generous giver, a careful planner, organizer, a skilled decorator, a developing cook, has a mind for crafts of all kinds, and we can sanctify that as unto the Lord and use it. Catch a prophetic vision for your kids. Husbands for your wife, wife for your husband. And what I mean by that is, how does God see them in eternity? What are your kids going to look like in eternity? 
at the end of the road, say, God, show me that and help me pour into that. Um, I'm I'm going over, aren't I? I'm done. Am I okay? Okay, here's my last one. Okay, I I, I warned you. (laughs) Uh, To be a kingdom first family, you have to know your field. You have to know your field. Okay, and now you might be thinking, okay, you're a missionary. You're talking about the mission field or the battlefield or something like this. No, God gave Adam a garden to tend and a responsibility to seek its flourishing. God has given your family a garden to tend. It is a sphere of influence that you have around you. All the people you touch, all the places you go every single week, that is your garden. And you seek its flourishing it. You seek its cultivating. You seek its redemption. Um, I want to give you some clear steps for this. We know the world's broken. It's sinful, right? It's broken. So uh, think of it as this, this garden that should be a garden. It's like wasted space. It's messy. It's overgrown with weeds. There's all kind of mess there. It's a desert place, right? Or, or you could think of it this way. Hey, kids, like, you know, when something breaks, like a toy breaks, there's like broken, jagged edges, and you don't want to like, you know, touch them because you'll hurt your hand or something, right? Okay? So in our space, there are broken edges and wasted spaces. When Jesus came, he initiated the kingdom, and he started smoothing those broken edges, and he started filling and redeeming those wasted spaces. That's what he did. Um. Look for broken edges. Together as a family, look for broken edges and wasted spaces. And so fathers and mothers, you have to be really intentional in this as well. Um, In your family, in yourself, in your kids, in your neighborhood, in your city, you need to help your kids discern need. What what, what needs to be fixed? What needs to be fixed? What needs to be redeemed? Where is it? Okay, and so we uh, spiritually, emotionally, physically, socially. Um, so what we're really good at sometimes, we're good at criticizing and complaining. We're also good at sheltering our kids. Protect your kids. Train them up in the way that they should go. Do not shelter them. Let them see those needs. Call them in to that space in a safe environment with your family and the Holy Spirit and the word of God and then look that thing directly in the face. Loneliness or immoral behavior or children without fathers or street dogs. We have a lot of street dogs in Albania. Drunks, beggars, meanness, bragging, selfishness in school. Call them to look at these things, okay, and then pray together. Intercede with the help of the Holy Spirit. Intercede. So Jesus said, your kingdom come. When he taught his disciples to pray, your kingdom come. Your will be done. In this person, in that place, in this situation, on earth as it is in heaven. Bring heaven to earth there. And I want you to also, I want to, I'm going to use the prophetic word again. Use the prophetic eye, just like before. What would it look like for the kingdom to come in her life, in that problem, 
Kids, do you use your imaginations anymore? Or do you just play video games? Please say that you use your imaginations. The Holy Spirit gave you that imagination. And he's sanctified you and he's sanctified your imagination so that when you pray, you imagine what it would look like for the kingdom to come around you and that person's life in this classroom and that workplace. And you imagine it and you pray, Jesus, do it. Bring it about on earth as it is in heaven. And then ask, ask, expecting in faith, ask, how can I partner? Because he is the one that does the work. He is the one that redeems, but he gave us an important job. He called us in and he said, I want you to be a part of that redemptive work and bringing the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. So, Holy Spirit, is there something I should say? One verse I should share. One question I should ask. One kind thing I should do. One, one gift I should give. Is there something you want me to do? A hug I should give. What do you want me to do? And you wait long enough that you hear his voice. And when you feel like you have that impression, I always tell my kids, obey all the way right away with joy. All the way right away with joy. Do it. Do it. Jump right into it. Um, Jesus compared the kingdom to this. Uh, kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and has become a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. Now, I always thought that the little mustard seed grows into like a big oak tree, but that shows you how much I know about agriculture because mustard plants aren't trees. They're big bushy things, more like corn, and they fill a field from edge to edge. And that's what we want the kingdom of God to do. So the kingdom of heaven comes, springs up around you and your family through the continual scattering of a thousand tiny Moment by moment, kingdom seeds, day by day, kingdom seeds, until the plants grow up and spread in the field that your family inhabits from corner to corner, as far as you can see. And the kingdom has come. Your garden, your garden that God has given you to steward, it's God's kingdom, your garden becomes a safe, satisfying place for others to inhabit. And then one day, Jesus is going to make the whole earth that kingdom. Um, Jesus said, my food. You guys like food, kids? You like food? Yeah? Hey, what kind of food do you like? Pizza. Awesome. I like pizza, too. Hamburgers? Fish? Krispy Kreme donuts? I've been in Albania for a while. I want to go to Krispy Kreme Donuts, okay? Okay, you know what Jesus said about his food? My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Your food, your feast every day should be as a family to do the will of him who sent you and to finish his work. Okay. Um, 
I think that in just a minute, uh, we're, we're going we're to actually gonna pray for everybody in this room. <laughs> um, hey, can you guys receive what I'm saying? Parents? Here, let me hear the fathers. Will you do this? Fathers, you have the biggest job of everybody in the family. You're the leader. Will you do this? Don't say it if you don't mean it, but I want to hear it. Mothers, will you do this? Children, will you do this? Oh, you guys are louder. (laughs) Amen. Okay.